one time they came surrounded the house with guns to get him. He seen them coming before he, before they came actually and broke in or whatever, you know. Um, he jumped out the window, came back for his shoes. The whole concept for MOVE is M, make a difference. Oh, to offer up your time, talent, and gifts. B, there's victory in the small things, and E, to encourage others. And so I started to MOVE. Hello, everybody. I'm Scotty Carlisle, and thank you for tuning in to the MOVE podcast. Today we have a special guest, Melissa Hurd. Now, Melissa is quite the author and I believe she is publishing, in the process of publishing her third book. And, you know, this didn't come out of nowhere. She's had some tribulations in her life. And I want to... I, you know what, Melissa, could you introduce yourself? I think you'd do a better job than me. Yeah. Hi, I'm Melissa Hurd. Um, I'm an author of Voice of the Broken, and I just have a second book coming out, Dear God. Um, I am on my third book. Um, it's supposed to be published sometime soon here. And it's just about my life. <laughs> so what made you decide to, write, to start writing a book? Well, I've been trying to write since I was 23, and I could never get out. And at 47, um, God, he had me up for four days and four nights writing. And I didn't want to write yet, but I guess it was my time. And I actually got pretty much three books out of it. The Voice of the Broken is from me um, at a young age. Um, growing up to pretty much my whole life. Um, my parents divorced, um, abuse, neglect, stuff like that. Um, then my son, drugs, and um, stole stuff from me and just all kinds of stuff that hit me. My, his dad was abusive and my life was a little rough. <laughs> I think a lot of people find themselves in situations where they feel stuck, they feel neglected, they feel abused, they feel helpless. And so part of why I started this podcast is to talk to people that have overcome some of those adversities, but also are in the process of dealing with them right now. And how are you sitting with it? And how are you dealing, how have you been able to put things in place in your life that have helped you not dwell on negative, but move to positive? So, you know, when you grew up, you say abuse, what, what kind of abuse are you talking about? Well, when growing up, like being young, um, my parents didn't really care. Um, they got divorced and then um, moved on to different relationships where we weren't important any longer. It was about them. 
Um, and then my mom's boyfriends, they, you know, did things they shouldn't have. Um, and I tried I, to fight them off. What's that? Like that? I had tried to fight them off and my mom put me in foster care and kept down. Um, so, so your mom's new husband. Well, not husband. Our boyfriend had abused you. Yeah. She had a few. <laughs> you what? She had a few men that, you know. Um, that, that abused you. Yeah. And then you got put into foster care because of what they leave did. Or what, what, how, how did you make a trans? Why did you go to foster care? Well, they touched me. Like the one touched me. Um, it started back a few years, but this one actually touched me and I was actually punching him <laughs> and my mom got in the middle and she literally pissed herself um, from getting in between and they called the cops and mom told them to take me. So they took me to foster care. How and old she, were you? Um, I would say maybe nine or 10. Oh, dang, that early. Yeah. Wow. And how yeah, long? You, oh, go ahead. How long were you in foster care for? Ooh, um, had to be, I think I got released around about 16 because my mom went to court and they released me back to her. So it had to be about 16, I'm guessing. Oh, maybe. you were in the foster care system for seven years. Yeah. And and what's it like? Well, it, at first it wasn't too good because I kept getting switched around. Um, just, I don't know how to explain it. They weren't very nice or they didn't want me part of their family. Um. I did find an awesome family, though, that really stuck by me, which is in the book. And I haven't had contact them for a long time, um, but now they are in my life again. Oh, that's cool. How yeah. many families did you have to go through before you found one that worked? Ooh, I think I went through seven. Seven. Wow. Some were temporary. Um. Some was supposed to be full time, but um, they said that they went on. They had to go on vacation, so they went on vacation, and I never. They never um, got me back. Stuff like that. A lot of them, I think, just thought it would be easy money. I don't know. So, when that happened, somebody said they went on vacation and they never came back. Mm -hmm. How did you take that? Did you were you happy about it, or was it something that made you feel like you were? not wanted or well I guess in the long run I'm probably happy about it because I wouldn't want people like that anyway because I went through it enough um but yeah I felt I blame myself of course um I always thought what should I do now or they didn't even get a chance to know me you know and I I don't know. Yeah, I felt like it was my fault. Yeah, 
at 10 years old, 11 years old, um, you know, that's, that sucks. So after you've gone through these different families now, were you in a similar, like, were you in the same state? Did you move to a different state or you in the same local community? Um, Perry County or, um, it was Lancaster, Conestoga is where I ended up to stay that a couple years. Is that close to where you grew up? Oh, I grew up in East Berlin, Pennsylvania. So yeah, it was not too far, maybe an hour or two. Got it. And then when you're 16 and you're getting out of the foster system and you went back to your mother, what was that? How was that? Not good. Um, she still had the boyfriend and the same boyfriend. Um, I believe so. Okay. Yeah, she did. And, um, I said, I can't believe that I came back and she said, well, the court said that I didn't have enough money. So they sent me back to her, sent me back to her, you know, that's what she told me, which I didn't really want to go back. <laughs> but I did. And then it was not good. Um, I mainly didn't want to stay there. Um, I would run. I, I stayed at my grandma's a lot. She was, I loved her. She just stuck by my side. She knew that it's wrong, but she just stuck with me and she never Mommy, said anything. Bad about Mommy, you. Oh yeah. Here, Mommy. if you're gonna walk in, this Mommy. is this is my son Carson that Aww. likes to come in and uh, especially when I'm in the middle of a podcast and <laughs> likes to make his presence known. Bye. But he likes to say mommy though, huh? You don't even say daddy. At least you could say his daddy. Mom. What's that? Mom. Yeah, you can say daddy though. Say daddy. At least if you're gonna come in here and, and take over the podcast, at least say daddy. Can you say daddy? Say it. Okay, go back to mama. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> daddy. Oh, there we go. Now he said daddy. So, okay, sorry about that. But, she you know, actually, go ahead. Yeah, no, you go ahead. She actually, um, I believe she was still with him when I got out, but he ended up cheating. She threw him out, and then she met somebody from a bar, which was worse. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we never got along. I never got along with him, but one time I was bent over the tub washing my hair, and he grabbed me right in the crotch, and um, I went after him. I whooped him, my soap in my hair and everything, and she, um, she took up for him. Wow. So, yeah, it was it was just crazy. So so then when did you move out? Hmm. Well, I moved out pretty much around then because I, I stayed with a friend for a good long time. Well, a while. And then I ended up meeting abuser um, and had a baby. How old? Was, and you were how old? Um, I'm thinking 17 or so, 16, well, end of 16, 17. 
It was, yeah, I guess I just look for people that abuse me. I don't know. I, I don't know, but. um. Well, I've heard that you always go back to familiarity. So in life, you know, whatever you are used to and comfortable with is where you gravitate. So, you know, if that was happening and that was your daily routine and what you were used to, then of course you're going to catch those vibes and be attracted to the similar comfort zone, which is actually uncomfortable zone yeah. <laughs> because of the situations that happen. But, um, but you know what? We're all guilty of doing that just in different ways. Yeah. Um, how long were you with him? Um, six years. Well, I left. I, or, I don't know <laughs> many years. I get confused with the years and stuff, but I know when my son was three months old, um, he was crying in our apartment and I wanted to go in and see what was wrong with him. Well, here, his dad um, actually bit him in the forehead because he was crying. Uh, and I said, what did you do that for? He said, because I wanted him to be a man. I said, you're not even a man. Uh, <laughs> I would fight him. So that was the end of him. I threw him out and never seen him again. Um, the year thing, though, I get confused with ages and years. <laughs> yeah, I have that same problem. It all just seems like it's all together, you know, like it never moves. Same. <laughs> Yeah, you blink and then you wake up and you're 50 years old, you know? Mm-hmm. Crazy. But then I was, Timmy, my son was about, I think, two when I met another guy. <laughs> I met him actually in a bar. Now, you know, I'm thinking after my mom, right? <laughs> That's how I look at it. But uh, yeah. he, um, go ahead. No, no, I think you're right. That's all. Yeah. Um. He actually couldn't leave his mother. Um, whatever she said went. And my son didn't even have a place to sleep or anything. He had to sleep on the floor. And we just, we got treated badly. And then um, I actually left him, I think. We might have been together eight or nine years, I'm guessing. And then I left him. And then my son actually stayed with him a little while before he, like, went away from him altogether, which I thought was odd because he really looked up to him as a dad, even though, you know, the way he was treated and all. But I found out my son was into drugs bad, um, in a lot of trouble all the time. And the judge put him in boot camp for three years. Put your son in boot camp? To, um, yeah, until, so he would get over his addiction and stuff, he was um, in trouble a lot. So the judge sent him to boot camp in Quana, Quana State or something, I don't know, far away from here. And um, I found out that, well, the person he called dad molested him after I left. And- What do you mean, so you left where? After I broke up with him, uh -huh. the guy, oh. Oh, that's when you found out after you had left that it had happened before? No, it actually didn't happen until I left. Um, so you left and, and your son was still with the 
with your boyfriend? Yeah, he stayed with her. I see him every now and then, but he was mad at me for leaving Bob. But here all along, I mean, it's really weird how this all worked. And how old, how old was he? Your son? Well, how old was I, your son at the time? I remember it had to be 13, 14 my son was. Okay. Because we both, like, we both took him skating and stuff. And then one day, Timmy just decided, oh, I guess I can give his name. <laughs> oh, well, Timmy. I call him Roger in the book. <laughs> but it. um, he, um, one day, he just didn't want to go back no more. And I thought it was really weird. And he just, he would ignore the calls and everything from the guy. Um, what did I call him? So I guess where my question is, is how... If he okay, so your son's 13 or 14, you're living with um your boyfriend, and you you guys broke up. So you we left did. and then but your son stayed there. So where did you go? And I got an apartment in Gettysburg. And and did and how come your son didn't go with you? He fought, he was upset with me because I left. Or, yeah, he was mad at me, so he didn't talk to me. And then he decided he was staying with Bob, which was weird. But then to find out, that's when, like, it might have started right before I was leaving him, the molesting thing. But he just started doing that. And he said it was okay because that's what his dad did to him. And I don't know, but I lived in an apartment. <laughs> it's so confusing. I'm messed up. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? Listen, yeah. we all, anybody that, that tries to pretend that they're not messed up are probably the most messed up. <laughs> but that's, you know, <laughs> at least, at least the thing is that you're honest and things happen that happen. And the only way, in my opinion, to get through that is to accept it as reality, not to try to pretend it didn't happen. Now that doesn't mean you have to dwell on it and think about all the negative shit and things that happen and how your woe is me and life sucks. But to be able to have a conversation and just say what it is, be transparent, be open. I believe that it will allow you the ability of not holding on to these emotions and to these past situations that just eat away at you but yeah. it allows you to have the thought and then project it right back out so it's like i'm rubber your glue you know bounces off me sticks to you that that whole thing i yeah. so so i i mean i appreciate the fact that you're very open with it and you know if i ask questions that are too personal or whatever don't feel like you have to answer them um i'm just it's, I'm just curious, you know, how yeah. that whole thing worked. And I've dealt with situations in my life and I've had family members that have de dealt with similar situations. And I know how horrible of consequences can happen from these type of situations. So, uh, you know, I feel for you and, but there's a possibility that other people are listening to this podcast. Mm -hmm. And it could be right now is when they're dealing with these things. And the idea is that, hey, yes, it happened to you, happened to me, happened to them. And we just keep on trucking, you know, yeah. things happen and you just keep going. 
So I gotta be honest with you, like all that anger, I had all that anger and somebody couldn't even look at me. I would whoop them. Like I would beat their ass, you know? And it would just make me more like angry. And I just wanted to like whoop everybody. So what, so your son was 13, 14, this was happening. And then when you found out, how exactly was it that you found out? The counselor at Quanta Boot Camp called me and informed me of it. And I thought, no way. And she said, yeah. And then um, I went to visit to me. I couldn't see him. I only could see him one time through the three years, I believe. And um, when I did finally go see him, he, oh, that's not it either. Um, he told me about it. And I actually seen his daughter in the meantime with his, my son's ex. Okay, they came to my house. I don't know how Your to- Your boyfriend's explain. daughter. No. Your my son's son, daughter. My son's daughter. Okay, so then now he's older than 14 at this point. He's like- Oh, yeah, hold on. Let me get this right. Yeah, but when he went to boot camp, yeah, it was way past. When he went to boot camp and stuff, I'm lost now. Okay, so he left Bob and everything. Um, that's when he started drugs and everything else because of all this. He got in a lot of trouble for a lot of years before because everybody kept bailing him out and stuff. And he was on the run for the longest time. He lived in motels for whoever would pay. Um, wherever he'd get the drug, he would do whatever he could to get it. What kind of drugs do you know or pretty much heroin? Um, heroin was horrible. Um, that was the worst thing. He, yeah, that was, I don't know. But he would steal. Um, mm -hmm. It was just a horrible thing. My little brother had a, a similar bout with heroin and uh, it, so I understand. I understand that it's when you have a loved one that is in the throes of that drug, uh, especially it is a, I don't know how to explain it either. I know, it's, right? It's not good. <laughs> it's bad. So yes. it's bad, bad, bad. And he had done a lot of other things. But that was, he said, you know, he wanted to die, especially when you start to try to wean yourself off oh my and gosh. you get the withdrawals and you're sick and you're nauseous and you just want to die. You don't want to even live and suffer in that situation. And so the best thing you can do is to go get another hit. So you yeah, get and back to level. Yeah. Sometimes I think I blame myself for trying to kill him because I gave him money to go get it because it was so horrible seeing him go through that withdrawal. And three times he died in front of me from hanging himself or, you know, and I think- Died to commit suicide three times? Yep. One time it was at Sheets parking lot in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, he just fell over right in the parking lot. And he was getting Did in my car. He overdosed or what? Well, he overdosed, I think, t 
twice, once in Abbottstown, Pennsylvania, and once at Gettysburg that night because I ran him to the hospital in Gettysburg. But the one time he hung himself from, he couldn't, um, there was no money to get the drug. So he was withdrawing and his, he ate real bad. He said his bones and everything ached and he couldn't continue and he just wanted to die. And oh, I just. And here you are, mom, and you're living, living that through him. And you, you know, I, so I, I can only imagine that what a, between a, talk about being stuck between a rock and a hard place. Looking back at this point, what do you think you should have done? Well, what what I should have done was called the cops and left him know because they he had warrants. He was on the run a lot of times. He was still in my house. I mean, one time they came surrounded the house with guns to get him. He seen them coming before he before they came actually and broke in or whatever you know. Um, he jumped out the window, came back for his shoes. Oh, God. Not funny, but... Yeah, funny, but not funny. <laughs> he came back for his shoes, because they were $300 shoes, but he didn't put them on. He was carrying them, brought it with his shoes ha. and his hands. <laughs> it's not funny, but at that time, it's like, what the hell? And did they catch him? No. Not then. Um, oh, wow. How they called him was, um, I think, he might have been on the run for a year then. And um, they, him and a guy stole something from Coles. And they were coming out in the parking lot and the cop got him. They must have called the cops ahead of time. Well, Timmy took off running. And he went to Dunkin' Donuts across the street um, in the bathroom. And someone called the cops. And told them that Timmy was in the bathroom. Oh man! It was just weird how it worked. So the cops all went into the bathroom and arrested him, and that was it. That was the end. And if I just would have left him stay in jail, nobody bailed him out a long time ago. This all wouldn't happen. But I couldn't. My heart. Yeah. No. I've talked to a, a couple things, and there's a recurring theme that, you know, when you're in the middle of that life and you're going from one to the next you could have sincere intentions on not on stopping but you're in a habit and then this minute you're not going to do it well next minute you have a moment of weakness and then the moment of weakness leads you down the slippery slope and then you're back into the whole thing again and so the people that i've talked to that have actually been able to overcome it it's because they've quit cold turkey and a lot of times it's not because it was a choice of theirs it was they got put in jail they got put in rehab and they literally had the drug taken away and it allowed them time enough to get to a point where they did have the strength to modify their behavior and so unfortunately, you know, I don't know how many people have been able to quit heroin or even meth that are out there and have done them by themselves just because one day they woke up and said, I'm not doing it. I, I don't I would imagine that those numbers are low. 
has to be really low, I would think. So what what's your son up to now? What's he doing? Well, he's married. How old is he now? Uh, he's 29. Um, he has a daughter from Maria. Um, his new wife has a son from um, another guy. And then he actually has his daughter in his life full time. Because her mom has had um, her and then I think two or three other boys. And she um, got into a bad relationship and got into drugs and everything. And she chose her husband over the kids. This is your son's ex-girlfriend. Okay. Yeah, so... So now your son has his daughter full-time. And he stopped doing everything? Yeah. Was it... He doesn't even... How, how did he quit? Was it because he was put in jail and he had no choice? And he was okay well, when he, he came was, out? or? He was put in jail. Um, nobody could bail him out. Because he had to go to the judge, ordered him from Adams County Prison to boot camp. Um, and he couldn't get out. Um, they had to um, give him something, though, in jail because they said that he was, there was so much in his system that they, he just couldn't go cold turkey. It would kill him. So they gave him methadone, or what did they give him? I guess it was something they gave him that he didn't have that withdrawal or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's typically what that's. I know methadone is one of the drugs that do that. But what I've also seen with methadone is it is more addictive than a lot of times the drugs that you're using it to wean off of. It's like this is more addictive. Um, right. And so... So they had to give him, now did they just give it to him while he was in there or did he have a longer period of time of taking that? Just why he was off that, he was pretty much cleaned out or whatever before he went to boot camp. He didn't have to take anything when he went there. So, yeah. Now what I was saying a while back about him being molested and stuff when he was Okay, so Timmy was older than going to jail and to boot camp. Well, in the meantime, I didn't get to see his daughter and girlfriend for a long time because she she just didn't want Timmy to see them or whatever. So Maria showed up at my door one day with the daughter. Lexi, with, with your granddaughter. My granddaughter. <laughs> and yeah, we were talking and I was telling Maria that what happened to Timmy, what Bob did to him. And she goes, that is so funny because they actually, Maria had a, a relationship with Bob enough that Lexi could go see him. Because Bob didn't want to leave our lives. And um, Maria actually left went there to see Bob and Lexus did too, the granddaughter, my granddaughter. Well, Lexi used to spend the night there with Bob and then things started happening. 
To your granddaughter? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, he would have her in bed with him and do, try to do things. And she wouldn't stay there anymore. And how old was she? She had to be... She talked, I know that. It had to be three or four, I'm guessing. That young. What yep. the hell? When I was telling Maria this about what happened to Timmy, she goes, that is so funny. She goes, you won't believe this. And then she started telling me about what Bob did to Lexi. So... Maria, the mom, told me that she was going to let Timmy know somehow, write him a note or something, before I got to see him in Juana Boot Camp. That way he knew ahead of time. And uh, I finally did get to see him. We had a conversation, and I said, you know, I said, I was letting Maria know about the, um, what Bob did to you. I said, and, you know, I'm sorry what happened to Lexi. He didn't know. She never told him. And what no. did he what did he say? Well, his mouth just dropped, he turned all white. And I only had forty five minutes with him. So I'm sitting there and he just I thought he was gonna ball and I said, Oh my gosh, she promised she was gonna tell you before we discussed this. She goes, I never he said I never got anything, but she just it was horrible that day. Um, so when I got home, I called um, Children's Services. Just to, I had to check because she was still, Maria liked money. She would go to Timmy's stepdad or whatever to get money. That's, she used him pretty much. And, um, and then he'd there. say, okay, I'll, here's a... Uh, Couple hundred bucks, go whatever. Yeah, I'll babysit Lexi. Go ahead and have fun, and I'll take care of her. And yeah, she'll be in good hands. That kind of thing. Yep, and um, she continued to keep taking Lexi there, so I called Children's Services, and I told them what was going on. And um, well, ever since that, thank God, Bob actually stayed away from them. He would never talk to him again. But, now, now, when you called, did somebody come talk to Bob? Like, has Bob had any kind of um, recourse from any of these things? Yeah, I even think he might have lost his job. Well, I feel like he should lose more than that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as far as, like, any criminal proceedings yeah, or... They said when they did the exam on her, apparently... If anything did ever happen, it wasn't major, and there's no sign because I'm guessing at a point she said that she never, she no longer stayed overnight or anything with him. So I don't know. So he didn't get charged, but I still think he lost his job. He drove truck, and they did an investigation and everything. He went through his birth and all that. I mean, yeah. And what did your son do when he got out of his boot camp? Did he go uh, confront Bob? He wanted to. Um, I actually think he tried. I know Bob, he, he went to his house one time, but Bob locked the doors. <laughs> and uh, that's all I know. 
And at this point, Bob has to be, how old is he? So if Lexi's, let's say three. Lexi now is 12. Okay, so we're talking nine years ago this happened. Nine, ten years ago. And how old is Bob now? Um, he's old. Um, maybe late 50s, I'm guessing, right? So he's around 50. 50 something, yeah. But so I think I think this is a um you know this happens a lot more than people are aware. And if you're out there and you're listening to this podcast, be extra cautious if your kid is staying the night with an adult. Be extra cautious. They don't always come up and tell you right up front. Be aware of extra moments and things to try to read into. And if your kid wants to stay with an adult, uh, just pay attention. Pay attention and just don't let your child... I mean, listen, things happen. If it happened in the past, that sucks. Things happen. Don't be so easy to let it happen. Things, if things are going to happen, sometimes they're just going to happen and you got to deal with it. But if there are... Now, now, would you say, looking back, that there were... Now that you know what happened, were there signs that you could have noticed that something weird was going on? Not me, because I hardly ever got to see... Well, what about with your son, though? With my son? The only thing I see is the drugs and the not wanting to go to Bob. So it was an aversion. So it wasn't now when you left, but though they were real close? They were, you asked? Yeah, were they real close when you left Bob? Yeah, they were. Um, now, I have to admit, when I met Bob, uh, Timmy was two. There was stuff going on that Timmy told me that my son told me one day. He was actually telling his teddy bear that Pat Paul um, made him eat a salad and white stuff squirted out of it. Hmm. So here, all along, I thought it was my dad. So I go to children's services and I tell my dad, and it wasn't even my dad. And it was so Bob. Great, so. so, and then your dad, I'm sure, getting uh, accused of that, that was probably a, a crazy situation. What did he, how did he respond to you? He, he just looked at me like, are you kidding? You know, like, he goes, no way. I want them, you know. And at the time, it was like, well, if Timmy said it, you did it. Because he wouldn't bring that, you know. Well, here it was Bob. And I had to apologize to my dad a couple years, a while back. It was a few, probably a lot of years. When I found this all out, I went to him and apologized for blaming him for it. Wow.
-hmm. Are you, do you have a relationship with your dad now? Well, not, not really. Um, my dad, he's actually in this book again, the second book. Um, he, I just feel he never was there for us, like when we were young and stuff. And when we got older, he just decided to like move in with us and live, not pay nothing. And okay. And I did it for a while, but um, he would call us names like whores and sluts, stuff like that. Us, who is us? Oh, well, he would do it to my other sisters too. My oldest sister, he would go there and stay and then call her names and hated her husband, which I don't like her husband either, but. <laughs> so he'd call, so your dad would call you whores and sluts? Why? Yeah. I guess, well, he used to do that to my mom too. And that really took effect on me. It made me feel like I was really low. And he would do that even now if we were somewhere. He would tell people that. So it gave us a bad. Um, he would, so you would be out at like, Give me in a situation where that happened. Um, we'd be out if I if okay. So just say we're out and I run into a friend of mine or a guy. Yeah. Just a friend. He'd say, "Oh, you like this little horn slut, huh?" You know, stuff like that. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. He was trying to be funny. Yeah. And I thought, you know, you live with you walk in and to visit one day and you stay a whole year. I said, I feed you, I pay the bills, you don't give nothing. And you can sit there and call me a whore and a slut and whatever you wanna. Well, it got to the point I put up with it until he tried to move in not too a while back and I wouldn't let him. And I said, I can't do it anymore because I'm finally mean. I found myself, you know, and I'm not going to have him do that to me. You were living so, by yourself at that point? Yeah. Yeah, I I actually live, live with myself for a long time after living with, with that. Or when I left Bob, I lived by myself, but dad always moved around. Like he always lived off somebody. And sometimes he would just come and then he wouldn't leave. So I always pretty much live myself, but he would just take over. He always seemed to take over. So him and your mom, when did they get a divorce? I was five years old. Got it. And so you went with your mom and then your dad just went off somewhere. And you didn't really have yeah, contact with, with my him? Mom, and then I was with my dad, and then I was with my mom. Whenever, yeah. Um, so you're like dad, a ping pong ball being bounced yeah. around. Yep, and then mom's boyfriend, who knows why they wanted to grab me and stuff. It's disgusting. But they did. And then I, when I fall back, then I was the bad one. My mom always put me down. 
Because I liked her men and I didn't. They were disgusting. So. Hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, this is like, a crazy world we live in. Die. So how, what, what does life look like nowadays? Great. <laughs> I have, I have, I'm at peace with everything. I'm happy all the time. Um, I don't have a bad day. I don't get mad as, like I used to, I'm wanting to beat everybody up. I talk nice to everybody. I'm kind. Do you, do you have to, have you, were you ever on any medication? Or like talking to a therapist or any of that stuff? Well, I used to t um, talk to therapists, but it didn't seem to help. Yeah, I, mean, I, I feel like everybody should have, you know, a therapist could be your friend or, you know, I feel like we all have bottled up things that we need to get out and we need to talk to somebody, you know? Yeah, I know the feeling, but the thing is, the day I gave it all to God, it all left me. There is, and you, I don't know. I just know that that day, I actually, I swear I hit um, rock bottom and I swear God was right there. And when I started giving him everything and writing it all down, like to help other people also. So really fast, really fast. When you say you hit rock bottom, because I feel like just from our, our brief talk, you've hit several points that are really shitty and so what was it at that point that you felt like you hit rock bottom what was going on in your life well i was homeless at one point um i actually gave up my apartment to move to florida to help a rescue out an animal rescue I'm into animals. I help a lot of animals. And uh, I decided I'd go help a rescue out. Well, that was the worst thing to ever do because they had all these animals at their house and the lady's daughter actually starved dogs to death. When I got there, they were, she was supposed to feed them. She never fed them and she starved them to death and they were in the crate. And as the mother went through to see what was going on, she was pulling them out piece by piece. And I freaked out. I like lost my mind. And um, I actually didn't drive or anything. I actually um, had them come and pick me up to go to this rescue. So as soon as I got there and helped out a little bit, I left. And I got a U-Haul loaded. I had five dogs at the time that I rescued. Oh man. So I bought a U-Haul, or I rented a U-Haul, loaded the dogs up, and came back to Gettysburg. The thing is, when I got here, <laughs> I had nowhere to go. So I actually got online, and some guy from school, which was a very nice guy, um, Randy, um, he lived in um, York. He actually said, you know what, I'll help you out, because at one time I needed help, and somebody helped me. So he actually took me and my dogs in. I stayed there until I found a place. We went to school together. And that's all it was. Like, he was just, there was never going to be a relationship. I knew that. But he didn't even try. Like, 
which is awesome because I probably would have. He literally was just trying to help you out. Yeah, because at first I was really iffy. I just have no, I had no trust in anybody. I thought, okay, what did he, what does he want? But he didn't. He didn't want anything, and I'm so thankful. Um, but yeah, I think that was the most because I still had my dogs, and they weren't going nowhere. Like they were staying with me. So I think that was. I just I can't just. And then did somebody invite you to church? Oh, yeah. Actually, God. <laughs> I seen him standing when this was all going on. When I finally got a place and I was starving, I had no food. So every day I'd walk out in a driveway and there was raspberry bushes. So I would grab raspberry bushes or raspberries off the bushes and that's what I ate for three weeks. And I just started bawling. And I swear I seen God. And he said, he pointed. He told me, like, to follow that road to the end, like, and turn. Like, I don't know. There was a, a church on the end, he said. So it was funny. I decided I was walking. So I walked, and I walked, and there was a church in the corner. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go in, and I'm going to get information. Okay, let me stop you there. So what, what did God look like? All I remember is a long, like a long white um, cape, like not, not a cape, but like a gown, just saying. And his hair was like, it was dark and it was short. It was short, like right to here maybe. And I remember him pointing like that. He was actually by a tree. And I just, I don't know, I stopped crying, there he was, and I listened to what I thought he said. So I ended up at that church. And when I got there, he, was, he wasn't standing like on the ground there, he was in the air, like, like in the tree, I don't know. But anyway, I got to the church and I went in this door and there was a whole bunch of people in there, girls. And here they were having a baby shower, and she goes, may I help you? I said, well, I was sent here to get information about a church. I need church. And she said, oh, yes, of course. So she went and got me a whole bunch of information, and then I got invited to the baby shower. So I stayed there two hours. <laughs> that's cool. So that's how I met, like, all them people. And then they started helping me. And then I went out, like, food, um, just took me wherever I needed to go. Has God appeared to you any other times? No. I hear him talk sometimes, but I don't see him. What uh what does he say? Um well he just if uh if I'm deciding on something if it's right or wrong. Like kinda he just takes me to the right spot. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, it's crazy. Almost like your conscious, your consciousness, or your, yeah, your good conscience. Yeah. It's just keeping me from doing the wrong thing. Like, cause at one time I wanted to do what was wrong so I could get attention. Like, I wanted to stick out there. I wanted everybody to see that 
and you know, one of the dead kids, you know? Yeah. And now it's like, I guess maybe it is my conscience, but it's helping me. So did you get baptized or when you gave it all to God, what does that mean? Well, I gave it all to God and I did get baptized. I forget the date, but it, it was at um, in Gettysburg and it was, um, I know it was a couple years, maybe when I moved to um, when I moved to that apartment and I'm starving and everything, and that's when everything hit. Like I finally seen God, and I did. I got baptized at Freedom Valley Church in Gettysburg in a tub. I forgot to hold my nose belt. <laughs> I just I couldn't ah. breathe. Oh, uh, ah. yeah. So ever ever since then you've. You've, um, has it been, so was it at the point where you got baptized or was it before that where you gave it all to God? It was, it was before that. I gave it all to God and then I was ready to get baptized. I think, I don't think it's right that babies get baptized. Why? Why? Because I don't feel that they found God yet. I don't, I think. It's more I mean, for the parents, you think? Parents shouldn't choose that they get baptized then because they might have not even seen God yet. Like some young kids do see God and, but not everybody. My son didn't get baptized after he got off drugs and read the Bible and stuff. He got baptized at um the church, at the boot camp. That's when he found God. People need to find God in their own time, not be baptized till then. That's the way I see it. It does no good. Yeah. I mean, I each to their own. They don't find God, then they don't get baptized. So your life has changed since that moment? And how long yeah. ago was that? Well... The only thing I can say, when I wrote everything down in the book, and I actually, I never thought it was going to be published, and a publisher took them over right away. I couldn't believe I was in shock. I was free from everything. Like, I don't even, I don't get mad or anything when I think back. I actually can talk to my mom and not get mad at her. Like, that's crazy, because at one point, I just wanted to whoop her. Mm -hmm. I right. <laughs> <laughs> and now I do everything with her like I help her out she comes here and I make her supper and stuff and I don't even bring up the past like I used to when I want to throw her out so I'm, at, I'm really at peace and I smile a lot at one time I never smiled so yeah it's when I wrote the books and got it all out finally that I found peace and I can't, it doesn't make me angry anymore. Yeah. So if somebody was struggling with themselves and with life, you would recommend that they, how would you recommend that they search for God? And yeah, I guess that, that's it. How would you recommend that they, they try to find God? In, well, 
the only thing I know what I did was, you know, I used to pray to God and it was the only times that I wanted something, you know, and there for the longest time, I would pray for things, but I also prayed even if everything was fine or if I had everything just to thank him or like for the food or, you know, it wasn't just when I needed need something. So that's when start things started looking around. Um, I just knew I wanted to talk to him at all times, not just when I needed something. So I'm just saying to everybody, um, pray about everything, even when the days are good. And you'll see a change. You'll see that you'll be at peace and things will start going the right way. That's the only thing I can say. Some people say the power of the law of attraction and everything is made up of vibrations. And when you are in a state of gratitude, you resonate at a certain frequency and, and a certain vibrational pattern and that those vibrational patterns attract other similar vibrational patterns. And, you know, do they have tools that, you know, that measure that exactly? I don't know, maybe, but the concept seems pretty relevant in my own life on different times where I feel like if I am in the attitude of gratitude, life has a way of opening doors and I end up meeting people that help me on my path. I end up just feeling better about myself. I end up being in a situation where I can help others in a better way. And then it's all like a compounding momentous effort. And I'm trying to keep that up. And that's why I have this move podcast. That's why I'm talking to you because I wanted to get your story. I want other people to hear your story. So, you know, there's a lot of horrible shit that happens out there. And I feel like we need to talk about it. We need to get past it in whatever capacity that we can. And I feel like if I'm helping facilitate conversations where somebody might hear something and, and it just helps them, you know, whatever, helps them to help somebody or, or, you know, and then I'm allowing you to help them through me and through this platform. Mm -hmm. So now you're also helping others in even a more, in a bigger capacity. And so, I don't know, I'm just trying to continue to keep up that momentum, so. No, that's good, but you know, every morning I go out and I see all these people that are unhappy and stuff, and I go out with a smile and say, good morning, how are you? Um, have a good day, you know? And they start smiling. So I remember when I used to walk out my door and I'd say, what are you looking at? Yeah, <laughs> you know? are you looking at me? <laughs> Right, so that ruined their day and it made me, you know, a lot worse. So, yeah, I think it, you have to um, have a good attitude no matter what. No matter what's happening in your house, go out with a good one because it just, if you're happy, you make everybody else happy and then it makes you feel good. Like, I even stopped and helped an old man mow one day. Nice. Uh, because I can't handle watching them, try, you know, sit there and 
struggled them out. So I had to stop my car and go help. But Probably made you feel better than him, though, to oh, be able sure. to do that. Um, yeah, I went home with a smile, so. But, yeah, I'll do whatever it takes. I, um, if I, it doesn't make somebody happy, at least we tried, right? Right, right. You know, um, so I have an organization called My Unsung Hero Foundation, and and that is what it's about. Unsung heroes are the ones that are behind the curtains. They're the ones that are not trying to get attention, not trying to make money, not trying to have some kind of ulterior motive or agenda. They're literally just wanting to help. And, you know, it sucks because there are a lot of con artists that wear that cloak very well. And they want to help so they can get in and they can take advantage in some way, which is, which is unfortunately, it's part of the game, right? Um, yeah. And you will come across those people, and that's okay. But that doesn't mean you have to be one. You can literally be sincere about trying to help, and people may be suspect of you, and that's okay. They should be. They should be suspect because you got a lot of people in wolves' clothing or wolves in sheep's clothing that are out to try to take a bite out of you. And so it's okay to be suspect. But, but there's still those people out there that want to help and, and mm -hmm. that are doing it because they're sincere and who knows why they're, they're, they're maybe they're twisted in the head in a way where they just actually want to help and they're sincere in that capacity. So, so give, give a little bit of room for people like that too, I guess. Exactly. I think some people have been burnt so much. If you just walk up to them and you, you know, want to help them because you have the heart, you, you know, I think it takes a long time to prove that no matter who you are. So I don't even know where I'm going with this, but as long as what you're trying to do um don't change as you're like going down helping somebody like then you start asking for money or something but you stay on the right track with being kind you know every day they're gonna earn your trust you understand what i'm saying yeah absolutely consistency yeah. consistency over you know over time consistency and persistency develop trust yeah so and I Go ahead. I know there's good people. It's just, it takes me a while to, um, I have to make sure they're true, you know. I guess everybody that goes through a horrible thing, and if somebody really does care about you, they're gonna, they under, they're gonna understand that you need that time to, you know, get to know them. To vet. Sure yeah. So. So right now, if somebody wants to read your book, where or or maybe even talk to you or connect with you, do you have social media? And maybe what are the names of your books? Well, I have them on Amazon. They are for sale on Amazon, and I think Goodreads, um, Kindle. Um, I do have a Facebook, but I don't know. It's under Melissa Heard. That's all I know. Ah. Too much about the um, social media or whatever, but. And what are the names of your books? Oh, Voice of the Broken and Dear God. <coughs> but um, and my third one should be out sometime soon. I wanted to find peace in myself. 
and get over all the anger. Um, but I also wanted to help the ones that are going through similar situations that others don't believe. Because no matter how many times I told my parents and stuff or my family, they didn't want to hear it. So my main thing was to get it out for others that are going through it, um, that there is hope, um, no matter how bad it seems to be, not to give up. Because there is always happiness somewhere. I think what it is is you got to start not caring what people think and worry about yourself. Um, I love myself now. I don't even care what people think. So good. Yeah. They say when you're a teenager and you're rebellious, you don't care what people think. Or no, you do care what people think. And then as you get older, then you don't care what people think. And then as you get a lot older, then you realize people don't think it about you at all. <laughs> it doesn't right. matter. Yeah. What about dear God? What is that about? It's just it's still Things that um, that I still once in a while, it comes back up where, where I think about it a lot. Um, I have a conversation with God about the stuff. Um, and what it is, is when I ask him questions, he comes back with his verses and answers my questions. Like um, verses of the Bible? Yeah. They're in there, too. The, like, Old Testament, New Testament, or all over, or what? Well, it's new, the New Living Bible. Because, like, King James and all that, I can't understand because of the... Goeth, toeth, theeth, <laughs> setteth, <laughs> that. So, but, um, it's, it is all over, like, wherever. A lot of the stuff just comes to mind when I'm... Asking questions, the verses just pop up in my head. So, so dear God is a collection of these different conversations that you had with God. Uh, yeah, it's a conversation, um, and then he just answers in his by his Bible verses. And then you, in your book, ask the question and then supply the Bible verse that you were. Yeah, like, Say, I still have an issue with my dad that is in there and how he lived off me and stuff and how he called me a whore and slut and stuff or whatever. And there is a Bible verse. I can't remember what it is, but it fit perfect to that. And it is, it's in um, the book. Um, so I guess my main thing was to let people know that God does have an answer. If you really, I'm, you have to seek, right? Seek and you shall find. Yeah. There's always something. Because you're always going to have doubts and stuff about things. Or things are going to still come up once in a while. But, um. And then what's your third book? I don't know yet. Um, oh, actually. I don't know the name or anything yet, but it is sent in. They helped me through. So you finished writing it. Oh yeah. Yeah. So what is yeah. it? What is it about? What is it about? It's about my grandkids. Um, 
talked about Lexi and as she was growing up, what we all missed out on and how her life went. And, and then Caden and Bentley. Like, Are those Lexi's younger brothers or younger brother and sister? Or? Well, Cora. Caden is um, Timmy's son. Timmy is cool with a new wife. It's son. He's four. And then Bentley is the one, Nicole's son. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. So it's just, oh, like, I always told my son, I said, if you get married and they have a, a child <laughs> to um, treat him as your own. So. Yeah. Which Timmy does pretty good with, but that's cool. is very bad. And <laughs> okay, so I ha I'm the one with the problem with him. And um, <laughs> he just does the weirdest things. Like I made his my son's wife cupcake or muffins one day, and um, I told him he was like two, I guess. I was kind of watching him, and I told him to eat his dinner that I made. That I I'm stepped outside, I'll be right back. So I stepped outside and came back, and the muffins I made that were in the baggie were in pieces. Oh, up. oh man. <laughs> and I said, What did you do? And he started laughing. And I said, This is not funny. So I really got mad. At least not at the time. <laughs> yeah. So I really got mad and I called my son at work and I was going off. And he says, I know Timmy wanted to laugh, but he knows how bad I get. But it's just, Bentley acts like a doll, okay? And if I'm talking to Timmy and his wife and I have a question, Bentley answers, <laughs> okay? And it, it's like, oh, no, he needs to go play and mind his business, you know? <laughs> I'm really, like, Timmy, it's like I told Timmy that he has to accept him and I can't even do it. So, <laughs> you know, all that's in there. Got it, got and, it. Yeah, I just, whew. A kid. And then I don't really have problems with Caden and Lexi. Well, we argue once in a while, but not as bad as Bentley. And it's yeah. not because it's not my son's. Right. It's, it's a personality just... conflict. It happens. Hey, listen, it, it happens to everybody. I have, there's seven siblings in my family and some of them I get along with great and others, not so much. We don't get along all that great. And sometimes we do. Sometimes we don't, and that's okay. It's that's that's life, and we just keep going. But I know, so I have a couple other things to get to, and I also know that you have things, and you know, and I want to be respectful of your time, and I appreciate you signing on to to tell me about your story. I know there were some pretty intimate moments that you discussed, so that takes courage, and I appreciate that. And I'm so glad I got to meet you, though. Like. I was wondering, like, what you look like. <laughs> it's kind of hard to see from the shine on the, the glossy head, but it's all right. Um, um, would would you have anything else, any final thoughts of if anybody's listening that you'd like to mention? thing I can say is no matter how bad you think it is, don't give up on your life. Because at one point I wanted to also die. And now I'm so thankful I didn't. So there is hope and happiness. Just gotta go through some tough times sometimes to make you stronger. 
So yeah. Sounds like. And yeah. I wanted to tell you, I got the Dear God books, but Amazon has them messed up, so they have to go back. And then as soon as I get them reprinted, um, I will give you one. Awesome. Contact you. Awesome. Well, you know how to. You know what? We just started a. Um, a private Facebook group for all of the podcast guests. So as we're building and growing the show, you know, we're kind of incorporating new things and trying different ideas. And so, you know, that way we can all build a little network of people and, you know, who knows where it's going to lead, maybe into a brick wall, but it may be green pastures. Who knows? It might be good, but we'll never know unless we do it. So that's what that's what's happening. But you're helping me make it happen, and hopefully I can help you and connect with somebody and, and help them. And so, um, again, Melissa, Melissa Hurd, thank you so much for being a guest. I have a question now. Yeah, what's you your question? Have a rough life. What's that? You have a rough life. <laughs> you know... That's a, um, so here's, here's what I would say compared to most people. Yes. Um, there's, I got lots of stories, um, between things that have happened to me, between things that have happened with, you know, I have seven, well, I had seven siblings. Now I have six. I lost my dad. I lost my best friend. I've, I've lost other people that were close and, there have been a lot of situations that I've been in where I put myself in because I was hyperactive, stupid, <laughs> uh, full of energy, and I jump into situations. And then, so a rough life, I guess I'm telling you all of that because what keeps coming to mind is perspective and attitude have such an important role in our joy and happiness. And mm -hmm. we can sometimes subterfuge our, our, our mind, right, into thinking negative thoughts. And so I'm very thankful for the situations in my life. Hey. <laughs> Yeah, sing it, sing it, sister. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I am, I'm thankful for those moments of loneliness, for those moments of trepidation, for those moments of helplessness, for those moments of jealousy and anger and fear, because had it not been for those moments, I would not be able to have the perspective that I have now and I would not have and I would not be able to have the capacity and the depth of appreciation. So if you're always eating caviar, caviar is not going to be that good. <laughs> but if you're eating dog food, you know, and you taste the caviar, you know it's gonna carry a little bit different weight. And so I've had a, a rough life in certain things, but I feel like it's been training. It's not out of just 
bad things. It's, it's about purpose, things that have happened to me that, that caused sorrow have forced me to, in order to get through it, to look at it in a different capacity, in a different way. And so that gave me more of a breadth of understanding of life and what we're doing and a better attitude to face the challenges that I'm up against now. Because I still have issues. There's still things that happen. Life still throws throws rocks at you and you still get bopped upside your head sometimes in the most surprising ways that you couldn't have expected. And, you know, now I have five kids, Ugh. right? So I have a 22, from a 22 year old daughter all the way from a two, to a two year old son that you met that just decided to come into the podcast and take over, right? So um, there's, there's never a dull moment. I've also had a lot of different business situations because I've started different businesses and I've been very active in the community. So there's a bunch of situations in that world that have been crazy. And then, you know, I'm also a magician member of the Magic Castle and I've been there for 12 or 13 years and there's been some interesting things in that whole life. And then, you know, been involved with the, this other organization called Simple Acts of Care and Kindness. It's an anti-bullying organization. And that's a big thing there. It's, you know, it's cool. We do an event called the World Kindness Youth Conference. And once a year, 4,000 kids, every single kid in Corona Norco School District, or at least the Corona District, comes to this venue where the whole day is geared to teach them how to be more kind and compassionate. And yeah, it is awesome. And the the lady that had founded it is going to be on the show pretty quick. She was she had to reschedule, but she'll you'll be hearing from her pretty soon and she's had some things that she's overcome, but the seed there's always a seed in trepidation that can flower into beauty and bliss. And it is our challenge and it is my goal to try to find that. And so that's why I'm talking to you. Uh, that's why I, I try to reflect, you know, as much as I can to take my that book. seed. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, I was done. My third book has about bullying in it because Lexi, my granddaughter, she's actually going through that now where she had a friend that would come to her house and stuff and they would go to the baseball diamond and to the store for candy or whatever. Well, the friend is so into guys now, different sex, and Lexi isn't. So the girl no longer likes her. So in school now, everybody don't talk to Lexi. They all talk to this girl because the girl got her, um, them against Lexi that didn't even do anything. Oh, yeah. And that's in my book. So got that bully crap, bully stinks. Yeah, and it happens. And it happens when we're adults, too. It's oh, it's yeah. a cycle. And people people bully, and they are bullied in different capacities of life. So um, the what I liked about that organization it is it, it's more geared to – showing kids hey look at this and do this it's not saying don't bully don't bully because 
then all the rebels are going to be like, okay, how do I bully? How do I bully? You know? So it's just yeah. like, hey, look, you can do this and, and get them moving in this direction without saying that, but here. And like, for example, we have one um, little exercise where everybody gets in a, a wheelchair. So you have normal kids and they're in a wheelchair and there's a little course that they have to maneuver around so they can understand how kids that are in wheelchairs feel and the limitations that they're up against. Because a lot of times we just don't think about that. So, so it's just taking kids and putting them in a situation to think about others that have different adversities and limitations to develop more empathy and awareness and caring. And so I believe that it's doing a lot of good. And so I've been on that board for a while um, so, so anyway, there's, there's a lot of things that we can do. There's a lot of things that as life's happening, as long as you have things going on where you're being needed when shit hits the fan, it's kind of like a safety net. Mm -hmm. If you're not helping others, if you're not doing things and shit hits the fan, you fall and you hit hard. So anyway, that's. For that's my two cents. <laughs> Thanks for asking. <laughs> yeah, I need to know. Why did you ask? But why? Okay, so now why did you ask me that? Well, I was just thinking. There's a reason you're doing all this, like. But I wanted to know if it was because you were going through a lot of bad stuff at one point, or. Well, I know you didn't cause it. I can just tell you then, like, but. You could just tell I didn't what? You didn't like cause like you didn't weren't mean or anything. I could tell that. You know what I mean? Like I knew something had to happen to you or you know, I didn't that oh. you were doing this. Oh my Why light. Did you dark? Yeah, my light my I have a I have a light that the battery just died in over there. So I have I have all these lights like this that I have set up and it's got a little battery. If you can, if you can see behind it. Or podcasts or whatever you have Here. there. Um, people either lose a son or lose a daughter. Oh, yeah. And, you know, stuff like that. And I didn't know, if, like. So I had, okay, so growing up I had, I had a lot of issues. You know, my family put the fun in dysfunction. So um, had scenarios of, you know, broken promises. My dad, I looked up to him like like no one else and um there and he was on prescription drugs and medication and then uh a lot of other things that go along with that scenario and then lost my little brother started the my unsung hero foundation and then nine months after that i had a son that had a 10 percent chance of survival had a bunch of different surgeries was in the NICU for like 10 months or seven months i'm sorry and Anyway, so there's there are a lot of things that that I have dealt with in my short time of life. Um, so this is my way of because I guess the reason is that I've found tomorrow is not promised, and it's a very quick life, and you're here today and gone tomorrow. So everything that you can do, do. <laughs> so I have ideas and it's like I want to help and I want to make <laughs> <laughs> but
<laughs> you gotta love it. So, but anyway, that's cool. Well, thank you for asking. But this this light went out, so my hand's getting tired, and I'll uh. Get light bulbs. Yeah. Well, get better batteries, or just batteries. just look at the ding batteries before we do it, and make sure that there's enough juice. That's probably a, a smart thing to do. But but either way, Melissa, thank you very much for your time, and. I guess we'll see you on the flip side. <laughs>